If you're just joining us, uh, we're in uh, week five of a series called Gifted. Um, The Bible teaches that uh, the moment that anyone believes uh, in Jesus for eternal life, the moment that happens, uh, the Holy Spirit kind of comes into our lives, starts living with us. And that Spirit furnishes us with gifts. And these gifts aren't necessarily uh, things that we're, you know, talents we've always had, ability. Sometimes they're brand new things, new to our lives, new to our experience, which is different. You know, I, one of the things that we've noticed as, as, our, as parents is, like, when Alice was a little girl, when she was, like, an infant, we, we could tell very quickly that she was going to be a runner. Uh, she started walking at, what, like, 10 months? Like, 10 months. I mean, it was early. And then, as soon as she was walking, she was, like, running. She would not, she could not stay still for any amount of time. And we, you know, we kind of figured, hey, she's going to be around. That's like a natural gift that she has. And it's true. Like, she's, she's really fast. Uh, I think she's the fastest kid on our soccer team. And if she had, like, skills to go with it, she'd be a f- tremendous force. <laughs> um, similarly, we see Soren. He's a very cheerful person. I hope that sticks because uh, people need cheerful people. Or, or, it's, everywhere's a downer. There's pandemics and people are sad all the time. Uh, we need somebody who's like, hey, it's not so bad. And uh, Soren seems like hopefully he'll be that kind of kid. But at the same time, there's, there's things that just popped out of nowhere. Like, oh my gosh, how did that even happen? When did Olivia turn into like addicted to gaming? Like, I didn't see that coming. All right, I'm glad it's happened because I'm also addicted to gaming. So it's something we can do together. But, uh, but first she has to like be able to play the same games that I do. Uh, that might be a while. But similar, but, but the giftings that we have in the Holy Spirit are, are like that. And today we're going to talk about the, the gift of leadership or leadering. Um, but we're going to find out that if, we're, if we pay attention to Scripture and we're very careful with the way that we handle it, leading and leadership is not something, it, it might be a lot different than what we think it is. And so let's uh, jump into our, uh, our, our theme passage. And then you'll notice at the end I've highlighted the bit about leadership. So Paul, uh, writing to the church in Rome, says this, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think reasonably, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For just as in one body we have many members, not all the members have the same function. And so we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually, we're apart, we're members, we're, we're connected to each other. He goes on and says, We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in in proportion to faith. We've talked about that. Ministry and service. We've talked about that. The teacher and teaching. Not yet. The encourager and encouragement. We've talked about that. The giver and generosity. Probably the most important. Um, That was a joke. But seriously. Uh, The leader in diligence. Uh, the merciful in cheerfulness. We talked about that last week. So let's jump in to leadership. I, uh, to find out what leaders are, I went to Google image search and I typed in leaders. And these were, these were the top four that I got. Okay, so here we go. Uh, here's on the top left, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Top right, Abraham Lincoln. Bottom left, I was surprised by this one, uh, Margaret Thatcher. I did not see that coming, but here you are. And then uh, Barack Obama. So these, this is when, when, when we think about leaders, apparently, according to Google, this is what we come up with. So the next time you're thinking about leadership, it will not be a surprise when suddenly Dame Margaret, Margaret Thatcher pops into your mind. You're like, man, what a great job she did fixing the economy of Great Britain in the 80s. One thing we've noticed, we can notice about uh, leaders, is that uh, 
every single one of these that we, our, our intuitive notion about them is that they're in charge of something, right? Like they're at the top of whatever institution or organization they're a part of. So Lincoln and Obama were, at, were their presidents, the top of the United States. Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister of, of England. Martin Luther King Jr. was, I mean, I don't know if the civil rights movement had an official leader, but it, he was definitely at the top of whatever was happening with civil rights movement. Moreover, we notice that uh, leaders tend to be people we associate with uh, the gift of oratory, right? Uh, great speakers, and so if you remember back in 2008, you remember Obama had the, the hope and change, and yes, we can. And these were, these were earworms that got into our, and, and, and you couldn't get them out. He was gifted that way. Lincoln, uh, probably the most famous speech in, in American history is the Gettysburg Address, right? And then, of course, Martin Luther King with, I have a dream. And you also notice that these, these leaders tend to be people of great vision, right? Literally, I have a dream. I have a vision for what America could be. Um, for Margaret Thatcher, it was a vision of coming out of economic depression in the post-war period and, and making Britain great again, kind of. The vision for Obama was to have you know, a country that, 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 could, that could transform and change from what it was into what it could be. And that's kind of what we think of as, as leaders, right? And so if you're talking about the church, the people tend to think about Tom, the leader guy, the guy who gets up front and says stuff, or possibly Doug, the guy who gets up and sings stuff, right? That, that's kind of our intuitive notion of who's in charge, what a leader is. But I want to suggest to you that that's not what Paul has in mind, and um, I'll, I'll I'll show you. First, know that the Greek behind leader here is an odd word in Greek. It's not the normal word for the person in charge. That's archos, ruler. This is proistemi. And let's look at a few ways that Paul uses this word to maybe reconfigure our thinking about what leadership is. So this is from 1 Thessalonians. Paul says, And we urge you, brethren or brothers and sisters, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you. In the Lord and admonish or warn or help you or, or change you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Notice that there's nothing in here about talking or having vision, or there is something about being kind of in charge of, of but it could be anybody, right? They're not talking, Paul's not talking about pastors here. He's not talking even really about elders. He's talking about anybody who's over you and who's doing the hard work of being over you. Here in 1 Timothy, he does talk about elders. That's presbyteros, where we get our word presbyterians. Um, the elders who direct the affairs of the church. And then he makes a very specific break. Not, there's, there's lots of different type, types of elders, but, but look at this one, the one that's worthy of double honor. Those whose work is pre- preaching and teaching. Self-serving verse there. Probably Paul's talking about the money when he says double honor. So... Today at the church annual meeting, maybe one of you could like raise your hand and be like, we really need to double the honor we show Tom uh, by doubling his salary. Just, just throwing that out there. You do with it what you want. Uh, notice, though, that uh, the, the, the way this word proistemi is getting used is it's not getting used to talk about the vision and the person at the top, although it can include that, but it's actually talking about anybody who's kind of over others, who's, who's organizing and directing In 1995, Disneyland made uh, its worst decision ever. Do you remember what they closed in 1995? 
Not the sky. I think that one was already closed. Nate and I were talking about this. I think someone killed themselves on that. But no one cares about the Country Bear Jamboree. That, that is, that, no, no one has ever felt bad. That that's, I didn't even know it was gone. I didn't even know it was there. No, it was it, nobody. The People Mover. Don't you guys remember the People Movers? There it is. Uh, it, it's um, on the top right of that one. You can see like these little, these little cars that would go around um, Tomorrowland, and they would you know show you everything that was happening. They're really cool because uh, kind of like the Skyway. Uh, both of them were terrible losses, but uh, they kind of gave you a, like a bird's eye view of what was happening, right? So you could you could like get on the people mover and you could see all the various you know things that that Disneyland had to offer. So even uh, stuff outside of Tomorrowland, I have another shot here. This is really cool. You can see uh, the Matterhorn uh, from the people mover, and I I personally remember uh, going into like Tron World or something, and then you got to go behind Star Tours. And so you could see into, like, the inner workings of Star Tours, which at the time was my absolute favorite ride. Now, for me, the People Movers had a special place in my heart because when I got to Disneyland and I was a kid, the place was overwhelming. Like, I I mean, there's so many different lands and so many different things to do. This is pre-California adventure. But even still, for, like, an eight-year-old, like, Disneyland was huge. And I, it was easy for me to get lost. And I remember getting the, you know, the maps they give you. Um, I remember getting the map and, being, and going on the people mover with my parents. And I remember looking at the map and, and matching all of the different things that were at Disneyland to what I was seeing. So, oh, there's the Matterhorn, you know, there's this, there's that. And from there, I could make a plan. I could be, like, organizing, directing my day. Like, this is what, all the fruits of Disneyland are here, and now I know where they are. I know what to do with them. I'm ready. My my day is organized, it's directed, it's planned. I am ready to execute Disneyland and, and, and truly be the happiest boy on earth. Funny how they... Disneyland, it's the happiest place on earth, but also the most crying children. Very strange. Like the dream day at Disneyland is like where no kid complains. Never happens. I do think, however, though, the people mover, I think that's a really good way of of kind of imaging or or imagining what Paul's up to, right? He's saying, he's saying, look, we need, we need, here's a whole bunch of people. And we need to organize and direct them towards whatever it is that the church is, is up to. Okay, we, we, need to be, they need to be, we need people who have the gift of seeing the landscape and then getting involved in the lives of other people and moving them to where they're supposed to be. This is not casting vision, although it can be. It's not preaching, although it can be. It's not teaching, although it can be. It's, it's any time we get involved in the lives of other people to move them from A to B. From where God, where we are, to where God wants us to go. And so I, uh, I, I took the liberty of, of throwing up a couple of people movers uh, here at Coast Bible Church. And it's not, if, they post the, if you post your photo on Facebook and we're friends, you're giving me the liberty to show you to the congregation. This, this is Kristen and Dan, Dan and Kristen Livingston. Uh, is Dan here? I thought I saw him earlier. What is he doing? Oh, he's on the connected. Dan, hey, buddy. You're on the screen, man. Yeah. 
So in addition to being a part of the, the Connect team, Dan's also the chairman of our board. Um, so he's, he's, uh, he's the chairman of the board of elders. It's, it's uh, his responsibility to kind of steer all the nut jobs we have on that board and get them to go in the right direction. It's like herding cats, especially you, Jack. Oh, Jack, is Jack going to the bathroom? There he is. Jack, Jack like, just goes off on tangents, just constantly. <laughs> and, and Dan's like, come back. Uh, Dan, so Dan's, he, he's, a, he's a leader. He's a proist. I mean, he, he's in charge of people, organizing, directing people. But Kristen is arguably even more gifted in that direction. Uh, Kristen's wearing her Connect Team t-shirt. Dan's wearing a Connect shirt, but he's obeying Kristen's orders. She's in charge of the Connect Team. <laughs> and man, uh, when we mobilized the Connect Team uh, like three or four years ago, gosh, what a huge impact it's had on the church. Uh, we have, when you come in, like the first people that you see are the blue shirts. And they, and they greet you, they give you some stuff, they uh, find out about your life. And, and honestly, if it weren't for Kristen... That never would have happened. Because Kristen saw the mission. She was like, yes. And she was like, I'm going <clears throat> to move a whole bunch of people, including my loving husband, to accomplish the goal. Got here. Uh, this is a classic Facebook picture. May it never be taken down. The cool thing about Lloyd and Monica, they're ageless. So if you took this picture and you photoshopped um, gray hair and a beard on Lloyd and did nothing to Monica, you would, that's, and this picture was taken probably like 50 years ago. So like, that's amazing. I want that, whatever skin product you're using, Monica, because it's working. Uh, Lloyd, um, in addition to being uh, a pro este me at Stony Brook, he's a principal over there. Um, Lloyd, Lloyd also runs uh, or has run TNT. He's been a WANA commander before. I mean, the dude, a- along with Dan and Kristen, uh, prayer warriors, these people. And, and men, all of Lloyd's professional career has been moving people, people moving. A lot of times kids, junior hires, uh, a lot of times adults. And Monica's no different um, due to political instability and the pandemic. We haven't been to Haiti in a couple of years. But gosh, for 10 or 15 years there, Monica was making sure that we were doing two trips a year, VBS um, and also our Christmas trip. And when other people flagged and they gave up, Monica wrangled some more people and brought them in. People part of our church, not a part of our church. She made sure, makes sure, will make sure that, we don't, that those kids don't get left behind. She's going to move some people in that direction. And so that's the first thing in your note sheets. God gives people movers the ability to organize and direct the different ministries of the church. You don't have to be on stage to be a people mover. You, 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 honestly, in some cases, you don't have to show up. All you have to do is have the ability to find the people around and, and, and corral them and bring them in and show them this is where we're going. And how are we going to do it? Well, Paul goes on and again uses a, a word that doesn't work so well in English, but it says in diligence. In diligence, these people movers must, must act. Diligence to me is a nerd word. People who are diligent are not exciting. They, uh, it's, it's boring. When I think of diligence, I think of the Martian. When, uh, when, when Matt Damon is trying to get off Mars. 
There he is making potatoes out of his own bodily functions. That takes a lot of time, and it's really, it's detail work. Okay, that's detail work. That's like, he's like, he's just focused, and all he's doing is trying to survive, but he's diligent, right? He's like, ah, I gotta do this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and he got it all very organized, laid out. Um, on, on Earth, when they're trying to bring Matt Damon home, uh, Donald Glover, we got him right here. He's a, math, a mathematician, an astrophysicist, and uh, this is where he sleeps. All he does is he does sleeping and math. There's nothing else in his life. Um, and, but he's diligent, right? That's like a really good example of diligence. Um, and, and it's important, too. And this is part of that word. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, Kristen, if she doesn't do the, the, the scheduling and whatnot, the connect team's going to fall apart. So there is an element of hard-focused work that goes on for, uh, for people movers. But, but I think Paul has a, has a much more expansive notion of how that ought to look. And so I want you to see how he uses this word, spude, uh, elsewhere in the New Testament. So where it says diligence there, that's spude. Not lagging, not, not flagging in your diligence, but what? But being fervent in spirit. Earnest, zealous, excited. So although I wrote to you, I was, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong, uh, on, nor on account of the one who was wronged, but in order that your zeal for us, for Paul and his friends, might be made known to you before God. We wanted you to recognize how much you care about us. In fact, if you, uh, I think it's the NIV, literally translates there, in order that your care for us might be made known to you before God. So this is not just, this is not just math. It's not just that kind of work. No, it's something emotive. It's something that's, that, that you might even say passionate. Thanks be to God who put in the heart of Titus the same eagerness for you. You might even say love for you, passion for you, desire for you that I myself have. I think the, the point there is that when, when Paul says, you know, uh, people move in diligence, he, he's, he's, he's got a bigger notion of than, than just make sure the charts work out, make sure the, 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 t- the trains are on schedule. It's something that engages our heart, that, that engages our zeal, our passion. And if you notice, what is he passionate about in these texts? In the first one, he's passionate about the mission, about what needs to get done for the Lord. In the second two, he's passionate about what? The people. It's people that make things go. And so the next thing on your note sheet kind of sums this up. says, people movers, you're called to be passionate. Passionate about what? The mission God set in your heart and the people you have corralled and, and gathered to make it happen. Well, is Leah is Leah here? Le- I don't think Leah's here today, uh, but Leah Johnson, um, she led last week after church our uh, our first missions committee meeting in like several years. The pandemic wiped out our missions committee. Um, we kind of just well wiped out the church. I mean, you all know everything was nonsense and crazy. Uh, but but Leah um, had expressed interest. She'd come to me and said, I, I just, I really, really, really want to see the church engaged in missions again. I want to see it happen. I was like, okay, you're in charge. Good job. Thanks for volunteering. 
And it was, it was crazy. So I, I was late to the meeting because I, I was greeting y'all and, and, and all that. But I, I got into the meeting. And what immediately hit me was the, the insane amount of passion for changing lives for Jesus that was happening in this, in this room. And, and Leah was the one who started off. She was like, all these ideas. She had been to Camp Allendale, uh, where we minister to neglected and abused children. And, and so she had all these ideas about what we could be doing to, to help out Camp Allendale. And, and Lindsay had all these ideas about how we could impact children. And uh, Jen had all these ideas about how we can treat our, our, our brothers and sisters and our friends at Stony Brook as, as a mission field to be like engaging, especially the, tr- the families that are, that are, that are not church or, or de-churched. Um, and, then, and then Bill and Rachel were so excited about, you know, getting out beyond our borders and talking about, like, you know, building, having the whole church go down to Mexico and build a church one weekend um, for people who, who need it, uh, talking about going to Africa, all kinds of crazy ideas and, and just, just passion. And what was really cool is everyone was focused on, on, a, on a different possible mission, you know, all these different things that God had inflamed hearts to make happen. And what was so, what, what really made me joyful, and I got to tell you, it was, I came home and I told her, and I was like, that was the greatest meeting I've ever been to in my life, um, was how every single person was like, we need more. We need more people from the congregation to come and be a part of this. We want to see everybody in the congregation. We want people to make this happen. This isn't something that we're just going to do by ourselves. It's something that God's called every Christian to find a place and a way where we can have impact, where we can make a difference. What people are going to come? We actually started naming some of you. So if you get an invite to the missions committee, don't say no. Come up with a better excuse. If you're a people mover, God calls you to be passionate about mission and passionate about people. That does come with some dangers. Um, People movers, just like uh, all the other gifts that we've talked about, there's dangers, there's traps uh, that you can fall into. And and, and the first one is is, uh, do not tire of doing good. You see, the thing is, like, a lot of us, you know, after a while, we just kind of want to phone it in. Once you've got your engine kind of working, you found your people, you're accomplishing the mission, you just want to check out. Some of those people are frustrating you, they're irritating, they don't do what you tell them to do. Some of those people don't show up and you're kind of upset about it. And there are times where you just want to say, why? Why am I doing this? If that's you right now, if you're, an, if you're a people mover in this, in this place and you've been people moving for a long time, uh, you've, been, you've been doing it and the same thing over and over and you're, and you're just exhausted and, you're, and you don't care anymore, let me know. I could probably find someone who's not as good as you but close. Number two, people movers, you have a... We, we have a tendency uh, to, to make it like our own personal, you know, kingdom, like our own, our own personal thing. Interesting fact, did you know that uh, to this day, it closed in 1995, but the, uh, the tracks for the people mover at Disneyland, they're still there. And, and the, all the carts are in storage. 
Uh, literally, the, the CEO of Disneyland in 2000, I can't remember who it was at the time, I said, we could, we could have uh, the people who were up and running in two weeks if we wanted to. Why is that? Well, they, they knew that the people, they were going to move away from the people who were, but there were all these people at Disney who were like, I love the people mover. It's my favorite. And I've worked so hard on it. And we have such a great people mover team. How dare you? How dare you take away my precious little baby? My sweet baby people mover. It's the best. And I don't care what you're the CEO of. You're not going to say, leave the tracks. Leave them. And we're going to be the people mover team forever. We're just going to come to work and do nothing and dream about bringing back the people mover. If you're a people mover you, and you have this, this passion, right? God gives you this passion, this mission, and you organize this team, and you execute, and you create. And, and it's, it is. It's your little baby. It's your, it's your sweet thing that is a gift from God, and you nurture it, and you care for it. Uh, sometimes, to the exclusion of other stuff in the church, sometimes to the detriment of what God's calling the church to do, people movers, you have to remember it's not your kingdom, and sometimes... Sometimes your thing has to be downgraded, moved aside, shut down sometimes. And man, that's hard, but, but it, it might be a little easier if your, your eyes go up and you remember that Disneyland is not about this ride. It's about the entire experience. The church is not about your particular mission. It's about God going and finding people and, and transforming them through, through worship and community and mission and, and learning and scripture and preaching and teaching and all of the various different things. That's what God's about. And sometimes, sometimes God's got to move in a direction that might leave your thing might ask you to change. Last but not least, um, one of our other elders, Lou, uh, Lou Gutierrez, he, uh, when I first took over as the lead pastor, he uh, sort of took an interest in me, um, thinking that perhaps at some point in my life I could be a decent leader. Um, he gave up after a couple of months. But I do remember, I do remember one thing he said to me. He said, mission first, people always. Mission first, people always. And people movers, uh, th- there's always going to be a tension here. There's always going to be a tension between uh, the mission and the people. In fact, uh, nowhere was, it, was this tension more um, glaring and exploited in uh, the 1999 film Saving Private Ryan. Uh, when that movie came out, the, the tagline was, the mission is the man. And the problem in that movie is that the captain, Tom Hanks, is tasked with going in, over into enemy territory and saving one guy because his brothers had been killed. But in order to do it, he's going to take a platoon of, his, of the people he loves, the people that he's been in combat with for years now, people that he's grown to care about more than anything, more than his own life. And he's asked to put them on the line, to sacrifice them to accomplish a mission. He's asked to, and, and we watch as the movie goes on, we see how much he cares, and one by one, they die. And we see the toll this takes on him. And he wonders, he questions, is the mission even worth it if it's going to hurt these people? 
And the movie doesn't give us an answer. The movie never tells us if it was right for them to go save Private Ryan. The movie doesn't tell us if it was good uh, for, for these, these men to make the sacrifices they did. The movie is agnostic about it because there's no right answer. Because the truth of the matter is, is it, for you people movers, the people that you have, some of them are going to disappoint you, some of them are going to frustrate you, and sometimes you're going to be tasked with asking them to do things that they're unable to. You're going to be tasking them uh, with things that are going to hurt them. It's going to be hard for them. And you're going to know it. You're going to know going in, this, is, this might go badly. But it doesn't change the fact, people movers, that lose right. Mission first, people always. That Paul is right. That if you've been given this amazing gift where you're able to organize and direct and move people, if you have that gift, if that's been given to you, you have been given a gift where you are able to fall in love with something that God's doing and the people he's using to do it. And, 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 and the reason that God has called you and given you that gift is because that's the gift, or that's the nature and character of God himself. And from, 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 from the very beginning of creation all the way to redemption through Christ, to, into the church age, into the day when Jesus returns, God has been always about the mission of bringing the kingdom and saving people. He's always been about the mission. He's always been about the people. In fact, when, when God... God loves people so much. I mean, this is the text, right? God loved the world so much. He did what? He gave his only son. He saw the mission. He was like, I need to bring redemption and life to these people. Because I love them. Despite the fact that they're inferior and, 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 and wrong and sinful and recalcitrant and ignorant and all of the things that bother me about I still I look at them and I love them and I am going and so I'm going to give myself I'm going to give myself because I love the mission I believe in the mission and I believe and love the people the people are the mission every single person here is the mission of God. And it's not just you. It's, it's the people outside of these doors. It's the people at Stony Brook who don't have a church home. It's the children of Camp Allendale. It's the foster kids that, that Lindsay is so passionate about providing for. It's, it's our brothers and sisters in Mexico who don't have a house to worship in. That's the mission. The mission is the people. And what Paul says, what God says, is I want, I'm looking for a few good organizers and directors who love the mission and love the people and won't ever quit. So please, be passionate people movers. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we we're humbled. We're humbled that you have always been about us, that you've cared about us even though we're insignificant. You've crowned us with honor and glory 
and that you've committed to saving us. God, we're humbled to be your mission. We're humbled that you would do anything, including giving yourself over to us to accomplish it. God, may you raise up more and more people movers here at Coast. People who are passionate about the mission and the people. People who want to dig deep into scripture and bring others along. People who want to change uh, lives. People who want just wherever your spirit leads, God, wherever your spirit is moving, may you raise up people movers to, to make it happen. And let us not count the cost. Let us not be afraid. Let us not in, in any way hinder your work, but instead say, here I am, Lord, send me. And may we see the transformation in life that you bring about because of the gifts you give to your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.